0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, a.k.a. GigPod. I'm Stevie and today I'll be chatting to Sam from Back of the Net, an AFC Bournemouth fan channel and podcast which covers everything that's happening at the Cherries, on a regular basis and he'll be chatting to us today about the imminent appointment of one Edward John Frank Howe who is set to be confirmed as the new manager of Celtic early next week. But first off, Sam, thanks a lot for giving up your time on a Saturday morning to chat with us at GigPod. Not a problem at all, it's a pleasure to be here. Sam, there's reports all over the media here that Eddie Howe has agreed in principle to take the Celtic job with an announcement expected next week. I'm going to assume you never imagined he'd be anywhere near Scottish football after leaving Bournemouth last year. So what's your thoughts on the fact that he seems to have chosen Celtic over remaining in England?
0: Well, to be honest with Eddie, he's a very measured and composed manager. So I always knew that when he left the Bournemouth job by mutual consent, I knew that he wasn't just going to be jumping into any old job straight away. And there have been some managerial vacancies in the Premier League and also abroad that he might have been interested in. But it's clear that he's been waiting patiently for the right role. And in my mind, there was only two things he could, he could really do. I thought he might get involved in the England under-21 setup, up perhaps. Um, A.D. Boothroyd there not doing too great at the moment. I think Howe would be a brilliant manager. He's a man-manager. He brings young um, players and he trusts them to do their job. And he's brilliant at bringing through natural talent. Or it would be somewhere else. And when the Celtic job became available, I think a lot of um, Bournemouth fans sort of looked at that and thought that kind of club would be ideal. So in many ways... It is not a surprise, but the calibre of club that Celtic are. I mean, look, yes, we were in the Premier League for five seasons, but we are still such a small football club that can be seen by the size of our stadium. So it's just amazing that someone can go from managing Bournemouth to managing Celtic. Uh, Fair play to him.
1: Focusing on Eddie Howe's work with Bournemouth now, Sam, he guided the club to safety in his debut season with them in the Premiership. Ended up in 16th place before finishing 9th, 12th and 14th in the following seasons. In his 5th and final season, he was unable to save Bournemouth from relegation. But speaking as a fan, how do you feel his overall work was at the club?
0: The word legend is, is quite often overused in life, but he is a definite legend. He was a player for the club throughout the 90s and the noughties and then when we were in financial trouble and ruin back in 2007-2008 he took over the club as an apprentice uh, running the youth team and then he got the reins for the top job and since then it's been incredible yes he had his little stint at Burnley which I'm sure we'll allude to later but the club is completely built around him and that's one of the problems that we've got today we're trying to cope with an Eddie Howless club the guy has such a grasp on all things around the club and, he, and he's really involved, even the marketing slogans, even everything on the wall is uh, you know geared towards his sort of affirmations and his philosophies, the way that certain trees are planted around the training ground. I'm not kidding. He is central to absolutely everything. So he's such a hard worker, first in, last person out, really good at having personal relationships with a lot of the players. And look, when we got promoted to the Premier League, we were a team of misfits that he essentially brought together. Now, even the most optimistic Bournemouth fan back in 2015, when we got into the Premier League, never thought that we would survive. But... We did. Yeah, as you say, 16th place. And then our best season in the Premier League uh, was ninth. And what the Premier League allowed us to do was spend money. And I think on the whole, he can be trusted with that. But it's this team philosophy that has certainly managed to carry him through. And whilst it was unfortunate with the way it all finished, his work at the club um, cannot be underestimated. And, you know, we're still struggling to come to terms with his
1: absence even today. That's your words as a fan as well. But would you say, overall, that's the view of the majority of the Bournemouth fans as well towards Eddie Howe and his work that he did there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, most fans, I mean, nearly all
0: fans, think uh, he has been a miracle worker with what he's done. I think, at first people believed the Bournemouth fairy tale but once we got into the Premier League and the riches that we get then obviously that myth is somewhat dispelled when we're signing players for 25 million 30 million in it and it seems weird I have to pinch myself as a Cherries fan myself to you know I was going 20 years ago and we were having attendances of 3,000 4,000 and yeah whilst our attendances aren't big now we are very much stunted by the size of our stadium but it's, it's all because of Eddie and I think that even at senior levels of the club, they've Hows managed to carry their careers somewhat as well because he's so diligent in his work and he's just been very pivotal in everything that
1: we've done. Eddie Howe said in August 2016, Sam, that our philosophy is very much built towards youth, development and long-term progression, so hence we have gone down the path we have. My question here is, how much of those philosophies did he adhere to in his time at the Vitality Stadium? In terms of the youth, I think that that's something
0: that he'll possibly be disappointed by when he looks back at his Bournemouth career because there weren't that many players that actually came into the fold. There were a number of players that got brought up through the academy into the under-21s and they teetered around the first team. And there's there are some notable exceptions, such as Sam Surridge, who, who got Premier League minutes and um, he scored a few goals for us in the championship this season. But other than that, they've not really been mainstays of the Premier League campaign. And I think what happened was we ended up signing players with the calibre of Jefferson Lerma, Nathan Ake, um, Asmir Begovic, Lloyd Kelly, Dan Juma, Dominic Solanke. I mean, I can go on. And with those kind of players, it was very difficult to actually you know, fit in the youth. So I think that's one thing that he he might perhaps look back at with a little bit of regret. But in terms of the development of the club as a whole, I mean, his intention was to improve our tangible assets around the club. And that involved building a £35 million brand new training facility that was going to be the best on the south coast which we have bought the land but it's never been built and from there we were looking to improve the stadium or even move and he wanted to see something from this Premier League stint that we had and uh, ideally we'd have been um, in it for longer, but unfortunately, the owner seemed to want to concentrate on buying the players rather than um, you sort of establishing anything tangible in bricks and mortar. But you know, to his credit, that's probably what kept us in the Premier League. So I think he'll be looking back at it with um, a lot of a lot of maybe fondness, but at the same time, he'll he'll perhaps regret that certain things weren't done. But in terms of um, you know like all the rest of it, he developed a number of players that he brought in, maybe not internal through the academy, but young players like Ryan Fraser, who came from Aberdeen, we bought him for about 300,000. And, you know, whilst he went on a free in perhaps not the best circumstances, you know, what he gave to the club over the years, he became an established Premier League footballer. And there were so many players like that, that he actually brought through, through the leagues. And we thought to ourselves, well, they're not going to be able to cut it in League One. They did. Surely they can't cut it in the championship. They did. And then the Premier League as well. So he has to be proud of himself in terms of that.
1: So Sam, was it a game that stands out that Eddie Howe managed to change with his distinct management style, making the right subs or generally switching to a plan B. Furthermore, what is his plan B when plan A isn't working? Really interesting question. I think one of the key games in the
0: Premier League at least in our first season was a three all draw. At home to Everton where you know Everton scored in injury time to make it 3-2 I think it was Ross Barkley
1: and I remember that game it was uh it was winter wasn't it
0: yeah it was and most Bournemouth fans went home at that point and then 30 seconds later we went up the other end and uh, managed to score and I think that was the turning point for us because what it did it 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 provided us with so much confidence and then on the following game We went up to Stamford Bridge and beat Chelsea 1-0. We then beat Man United 2-1 at home. And it was that match that seemed to be the springboard. And it was just this mental confidence that seemed to exude through the teams. And that's one thing that he's always instilled, like never give up, never, ever give up. And he has done that really well. Now, one of the criticisms, you mentioned plan B. It's really interesting because quite often people didn't think he had a plan B. And I think that in the last season in the Premier League, he tried to adopt a plan B. But it didn't really work. I mean, Eddie Howe's strengths uh, are in outscoring the opposition, in playing fast paced uh, football, which is almost reckless at times. But it's entertaining to watch and, you know, high scoring games and he you know, just goes on and on and on to score more goals. And that's one thing that I think when you've got a defensive coach, I mean, Eddie Howe, he's been a defender all his life and people are always concerned that if they go 1-0 up, maybe he'll... Perhaps try to get the message across to the team that maybe we should sit back on this. Not Eddie; he will go for it and try to, you know, try to make the more, the uh, scoreline more convincing. You know, take the eight nil win we had at Birmingham, for example. That is, um, you know, probably another one of his, uh, you know, games that stands out for me. So, Plan B. Not too sure what that is at the moment because when he did try to adopt that, it
1: didn't really work. Now we have a situation where we have an established Greek international goalkeeper frozen out at Celtic because it's just not worked out so far, but hopefully Eddie Howe can come in and uh, resurrect Vasilis Barkas. How does Eddie Howe like his goalkeepers to play? Does he like them to build very quickly from the back? Does he see goalkeepers as an integral part of his team's style of football? I think so. Not so much
0: to the extent that, I mean, there are some teams that we've played where their goalkeeper is effectively a sweeper, um, not not so much. Uh, however, he does like them to build very quickly from the back, be very confident with their feet. And that's the philosophy that we've always had playing out from the back. So obviously teams in the Premier League and, you know, I've seen it in, um, you know, numerous leagues. It's, it is now the dumb thing to play out from the back to draw, uh, the attackers and then to create space in the midfield which they can hopefully exploit now um, quite often our defenders were not technically good enough to achieve that but eight times out of ten we'd be okay so yeah he does like his goalkeepers to play out from the back with their feet and be fairly confident on it but um, he certainly he certainly does not like you know anyone to
1: overplay put it that way. Now, Howe was criticised at the start of 2020 by 90minute.com, I believe. Now, they said his poor transfer record with Bournemouth led to the decline and eventual relegation of the club. Most notably, Tyrone Mings being allowed to leave was seen as a short-sighted disaster of a decision. How do you view Eddie Howe's recruitment strategy? And how much input did he really have with purchases and departures from the club? Really interesting, because I think that... Eddie Howe had
0: a lot more of a say than our manager does now. I think the structure has somewhat changed, and I think that's because Eddie Howe was was trusted in recruitment, and he had a number of players that um, were always mooted as being, you know, on his radar. You had uh, Chris Meppham, who um, he eventually did sign, and um, you know, you know, so many players. You know, there was a couple of Leicester players and certain players that he was always linked with, and. quite often we did manage to actually secure their signing. But I've got to say that there are these articles that come out and quite often they allude to certain signings like Dom Solanke, £20 million, Jordan Ibe, £15 million. Now, you know, Dom Solanke, I think, is still... Still proving himself at the moment. And yeah, his his value is not held up. And Jordan Ibe, of course, nowhere near. But you look at other players, you mentioned Tyrone Rings. He's a player that we signed for between eight and 10 million for Ipswich, which at the time we thought was a lot of money. I think that Eddie Howe saw that he was a very strong central defender because at the time at Ipswich, he he mainly played on the left side. So he noticed he was strong. He was pacey. He was fast. He was tall. And he was the one that converted him into a centre-back. And, you know, that's where everyone assumes that he plays now. And he, despite the fact that Tyrone Mings, he had an injury for quite a while, he couldn't get in the team because when you've got players like Nathan Ake and Steve Cook, um, and who had a great partnership at the time. I think, you know, I mean, Nathan Ake, technically brilliant. Steve Cook, OK, but as a partnership, they were superb. Tyro Mings just couldn't get in that side. But still, he brought him on so much that we actually sold Mings to Villa for three times what we bought him for, despite the fact he had fairly minimal Premier League minutes. So I think that his recruitment is is pretty good on the whole because it's all about bringing in young championship players on the whole. I'm talking players like David Brooks, um, Callum Wilson, when we signed him, £3 million, got sold to Newcastle for £20 million. So there were a few signings that went against that philosophy. Jefferson Lerma, um, he he doesn't usually sign players that aren't homegrown, I've got to say, but um, he is a Colombian player. Powerhouse signed him for Levante for 25 million. He'll retain his value, absolutely certain of that. And other players, um, again, Championship. Philip Billing, he's done very well for us. Was on the score sheet for us recently as well. Uh, You know, Dan Juma as well, who is a tricky left-sided player, probably retains his value. So I think on the whole, articles like that are focusing on certain signings, but as in general, I think the recruitment's actually been all right.
1: In October 2012. How left Burnley for personal reasons after a year and a half, returning to Bournemouth that very month and year. Now, he joined Burnley because they needed a rebuilding job, which he was interested in being a part of. Now, that's good because what's going to be carried out at Celtic is essentially the same thing. We'll have one of our biggest rebuilding jobs in our history. How do you feel he'll cope, though, with not having a mammoth transfer budget and being able to throw 20 million here and sixty million there? Because I do realise that in the early days at Bournemouth, he never had that money. He had to live for his means, and he did a fantastic job there. You reckon he'll go back to that tried and tested formula with Celtic that he was in the early days at Bournemouth? Yeah,
0: and as you allude to, I mean, when he was manager back in the early days, we had transfer embargoes, we had little money, and he could only work with the players that he had, and had to make shrewd signings in order to try to get us up the leagues. And in our first season in the Premier League, we didn't, make any big signings, but I think not having a mammoth transfer budget, as you put it, will will probably help him out because he's he's almost going back to his roots. And I've got to say that this kind of £20 million here, 16 million pound there, as you allude to, I think even Eddie Howe himself would have probably been a bit uncomfortable with that. But it was the owner of the club who is still owner now that his focus was always on the playing budget rather than anything tangible as i said earlier in terms of bricks and mortar facilities and he always wanted big star names and i think it's sort of owning a football club is almost like a status uh, symbol for our our russian owner so making these signings i think was probably you know, more more motivated by him rather than Eddie Howe himself. So I don't think Eddie Howe uh, will have a problem. All he needs is just a group of players that buy into his philosophy, um, that aren't too big for their boots, that um, will react well about being brought down a peg or two and just, you know, play for the club and play for him. And if he has that, then he should be absolutely fine with no transfer budget.
1: So, in your opinion, Sam, what's Eddie Howe's main strengths as a manager? Hard worker,
0: truly diligent. He overanalyzes the game, which is a good thing in football, I think. Um, he's always trying to think of new ways to improve training. Look, I mean, on our podcast, we've spoke to so many ex-Bournemouth players over the last year, especially over lockdown. Players like Matt Ritchie are in the Premier League now, and. Nearly all of the... Well, in fact, I think every one of them has said that the training that he's done is the best training that you'll ever have. And it's fun. It's exciting. um, It's always different. And, you know, the actual atmosphere that is created on the training ground is so, so good. And it's always carried into the match. And that's seen us progress just like we have. So in terms of his training, it's good. His man management is superb. When he came to Bournemouth when he returned from Burnley back in 2012. He, he took the whole squad on a walk down the beach and he had individual chats with each player for about 15 minutes and you know ask them questions about themselves, and just you know try to get to know them again and just try to ask whereabouts do you prefer playing and you know what do you feel are your strengths and then he would say well look you know I've been watching you and I think these are your strengths and this is where you should be playing this is what I think that you should be doing and trying to achieve so he's so good with that um, and yeah you know as I say he's just got this sort of never give up mentality and I think being ingrained in the Bournemouth philosophy where we've been up against it for most of our footballing history, I think having someone like that rather than some kind of entitled manager like, say, Mourinho or someone like that, I think it will it'll do Celtic uh, no harm whatsoever.
1: On the flip side then,
0: what are Eddie Howe's faults as a manager? He, he has got them, and but you can see the reasons why. Okay, so firstly, sometimes very stubborn. Um, would always go for his favoured players. So obviously, I keep on harping on about this, but when we won the Championship and got to the Premier League, we almost had the same team week in, week out. And there were times in the Premier League campaign, he would always resort to his old guard. So sometimes there was a lot of stubbornness there. The lack of a plan B is an issue, but I think the problems that we had... In our final Premier League season, where we got relegated, were were not just him. I think squad mentality was, you know, was really bad. Obviously, they had to cope with coronavirus and a load of things. Our injuries um, were absolutely awful, and he tried to adopt a plan B. And look, at the end of the day, we were one point from safety, and we could have scored one goal in one of eighteen matches. We worked out, and we'd have been safe. You know, that was h- how fine the margins were. So, yeah, maybe being a little bit too stubborn, but. Other than that, he's he's just the ideal man for the job.
1: Sam, before I ask my final question, I have got one that we got tweeted in where at Frank in Perth, he mentioned to Boys Analytics who put out a tweet about how Eddie Howe attacks um, as a manager. But we got this tweet in and the question was, how does Eddie Howe defend? His goals conceded to scored isn't great. And arguably his biggest task will to be to fix our awful defence, which, Sam, I'm going to assume you haven't seen a lot of Celtic this season, but you've probably heard the scare stories. Our defence as a shambles. But yeah, at Frank and perth his burning question was, how does it defend? I think that our best form of
0: defence is quite often been attack. And in the last season the Premier League, that's where we went wrong, because we weren't attacking that well. And therefore, yeah, we had some defensive holes, but... That would always be masked by the fact that we could score more than them. But over time, I think his, his focus did change. And he, he takes players like Steve Cook, who, to all intents and purposes, are League One defenders, and he's made them Premier League ready. Um, he likes them to be strong. He likes his full backs to be quick and fast. He tends to just favour four at the back rather than a three or anything like that. He's he's fairly standard with regards to that. I think it is a weakness, I've got to say. But um I've got I've got no doubt that um he'll be able to get him sorted. And um with more resources that he'll have at Celtic, you know, maybe not money, I don't know. But certainly with the resources he's got, he'll be um he will certainly be the man to uh,
1: to improve that leaky defence. And finally then Sam, Will Celtic fans buy into Eddie Howe's footballing philosophies?
0: Well, uh, if you're looking for a real hard worker that um, eats, sleeps and breathes your club, then you've got the right man for the job. I... I fear about the fact that he's going into a club with fans that have got almost instant expectation. I know things aren't too great at the moment, but you're a huge club. You want to be playing European football and it's going to be such a challenge for him. But if you want a man that is capable of taking that on, he's your man. He's not lazy whatsoever. I think, you know, it's going to be a steep learning curve for him, but I've got absolute confidence that um he will be the one you know to win you the title again and yeah they will buy into him and they'll just see that he's really well spoken you know really eloquent he gives really measured answers he's very honest he won't he won't unnecessarily throw players under the bus and that's what certain fans sometimes want from their manager they want to see a manager doing raw interviews after a loss he won't do that he'll be really measured but mark my words behind the scenes He'll be absolutely livid. And, you know, I've seen clips on YouTube with Nathan Ake saying that, um, yes, he may have this calm persona on the outside because he cares about the image of the club. But in the changing room, he's he's a different man. So I honestly am going to be watching a lot more Scottish football with huge interest
1: because I honestly feel that, you know,
0: next season he could and probably will
1: win you the title. Honestly, I mean, I was already excited about the prospect of Eddie Howe. As a Celtic manager, Sam. But bear in mind as well, the names that were floated about, like Roy Keane and everything. At one point, Roy Keane was touted as a favourite. My heart was sinking. I thought, you know what, just get Lennon back for a laugh. Eddie Howe, the guys, uh, uh, there's another Celtic podcast called Four Times in a Podcast. They have been touting Eddie Howe since last October. Really, to be honest, a few months after his departure from Bournemouth, um, it now looks like their wishes came true. A lot of Celtic fans are on board with it. Us at GigPod are on board with it, and after this podcast, I'm even more enthusiastic about it. I'm very excited about next week and the announcement and about what sort of background staff he's going to have with him. Um, It's going to be really, really refreshing to have a manager who, as you have pointed out, is a professional and he's meticulous with everything that he does. Um, I can't wait, to be honest. Yeah I mean absolutely
0: and there's and there's rumors as well that he he may take Richard Hughes from Bournemouth who's our director of football and he's uh, responsible for most of our signings like head of recruitment in many ways and he's been responsible for some of the real exciting signings that we've got he's a uh, he's got a good links with Europe has Richard Hughes and also also's got a great eye for kind of young up-and-coming championship players as I said as well so it's going to be a a really exciting time for you guys especially if Hughes comes on board as well but um, I've no doubt I've no doubt about Eddie Howe I'm sure he'll do really well for you.
1: Once more Sam thanks a lot for coming on giving up your time on a Saturday morning and for any Celtic fans who listen to us and want to find more about what you guys actually do where can they uh, see you online?
0: Well, firstly, we're called Back of the Net because whenever we get a corner, the Bournemouth fans behind the goal, not that we can at the moment, we sing Boscombe, Back of the Net. And, uh, you know, that was actually the name of the club uh, back in the early, well, sort of 1960 and previous. We were, yeah, that's right. We were Bournemouth and Boscombe Athletic Football Club. So, in fact, you know, so that's a chart often chanted at corners but yeah we are on um, we're on afcb podcast on all social platforms and on youtube as well just search back in the net bournemouth plus um also yeah we um we tend to feature quite a lot um in the media when there's a bournemouth related story so um yeah do check us out
1: well sam have an excellent day and thanks a lot for coming on deck pod once more appreciate it thanks very much